Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. Great to be with you guys. So, aren't I the luckiest person in the world? Not only do I get to be married to Richard, I get to follow his sermon of last week. So, I know you're all sitting there with bated breath, but no, I am not telling any more stories. So, I'm going to talk about something completely different. So, I had an interesting week this week. I was, um, I had a a friend who was leaving, so I was kind of trolling around the shops trying to think of a suitable present for somebody who is going away, so they're actually trying to get rid of stuff and they don't really want to kind of collect more stuff. So I found myself um, in a shop looking down a row of mugs with kind of cute sayings on them, you know, like how you do. And then I found one, which I thought was, was quite funny. And it, it was on this mug, there, were a picture of, there was a picture of two people, of a person, and they had kind of a plate in each hand with a piece of cake. And the mug said, a balanced life looks like a piece of cake in each hand which I thought was quite cute. Um, But it made me think, it made me think about this whole idea of a balanced life. Um, And yeah, that was kind of quite funny and ironic because we all know what the mug was trying to say, but but the sense of well-being is a balanced thing. But if you think about it, movement is not a balanced thing. I mean, even when you think about the act of walking, if you want to get anywhere, if you want to move, if you want to go anywhere or do something, there is a moment when you have to be unbalanced. You can't, you know, you stand... I d- didn't you love the last week's video and then Brendan does his minute to win it just motionless, kind of like, that's, that's great, but it's really not achieving anything. It's really not doing something, just kind of standing still. So movement, um, even from the day that a baby learns to walk, a baby has to learn to walk by managing this thing of being out of balance and regaining balance. Um, When you get a bit older, you can do something more exciting, like learning to ski or surf. In, in, in more challenging situations, you can learn balance in those things. Um, but it's probably quite a good thing if you actually learn to balance when you're quite young because you do, you, you, you know, those things are much easier to do when you're young. So that's why, again, we probably kind of, um, particularly speaking to the younger guys tonight, um, but maybe we can't all be figure skating champions but we can all walk. You know, every single human being on the planet has the capacity to walk, we can move, we can act, we can change ourselves, we can change the environment around us. So I want to kind of ask you tonight, what's your goal in life? Do you want to be happy and live a balanced life? Do you want to get a decent job, settle down, find a partner, have a family? Please, is that all, is that, all that life is about? We are children of the living God. And I think if being children of the living God, the only goal worthy of being image bearers is actually to change the world. Like, what would be the point of anything, of really wanting anything less for for our lives? So kind of like, like walking, I think it's good if we start young. It's good if we start early and we start now with however big our world happens to be. So even if our world is kind of not huge right now or or the world that we particularly have influence over, we can start there. We can start with changing that world. We can start doing it. We can start throwing ourselves into that task. 
And I really want, I mean, I had a great example this week. I'd really like to commend to you Jordan, who has been the shortest um, employer, <laughs> it's the shortest history of employment in Hillside that he was coffee shop, the previous coffee shop man manager for like literally two weeks. <laughs> so he comes into this job and it probably wasn't the kind of job he was most looking for. He, he was kind of like, yeah, he thinks this is good. He's going to do this because there, there's nothing else on the horizon. But I really want to commend him because he totally threw himself into that thing. And then a week later, he actually got offered another job, which was probably more in line of what he was hoping to do. So he literally had like two weeks, but if anybody's been in there, in the space of two weeks, he actually changed quite a lot of stuff. He actually made a difference. You can see the difference walking into that place. So he's really set up the new uh, a, a space for the new and amazing Stephen Tedder, who is going to take it to even greater heights. But um, I thought that was a good example of just throwing yourself in. So I want to talk to you tonight about living an unbalanced life what it means actually to be a disciple, because that is what it means to be called to discipleship, is actually to live an unbalanced life. So there's some steps in this, and we find these steps, we find examples of this in the New Testament. And the first thing about discipleship is that there is a call. Discipleship starts with a call, which to begin with is actually quite generic. It's just, hey, follow me. And, and we see that in the New Testament. We see that Jesus started out, he just went around, and he said to a whole bunch of people, hey, follow me, follow me, and, and they all kind of piled in. So when you first meet Jesus, the relationship on offer is one of discipleship. There is a call, and sometimes that call happens even when people are not saved. They don't even like know Jesus. They don't even know who Jesus is. Jesus calls people who have no clue what he's about, who've got no clue what he's doing, what he wants, even who they are, what they want. So even before we're saved, even before we know Jesus, we get to be disciples. We get to be disciples before we're friends, even before we really understand that we are sons, we are called into the thing of discipleship, which means basically encountering Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, involving him in our daily lives, and then kind of beginning to make decisions in reference to him. So we see that in the New Testament. We kind of see that happened with the first disciples um, in Matthew 5. Um, just reading a couple of verses. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in to hear the word of God, so lots of people were being called, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had, gone, had got out of them and were washing their nets. So he gets into the boat, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little from the land, and then he started to teach the people. So we know this story. He starts teaching the people, and then later he kind of tells them to put their nets down because they just had a terrible night of nothing's happening with the fishing and then they get this amazing catch of fish so in that moment of yay they have kind of made worldly success they finally kind of whoa something is going right in the business he says okay come follow me and it's like oh wow <laughs> ouch that's kind of that is quite a challenge later on in the chapter he calls Levi and um, verse 27 um, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and leave everything. He rose and followed him. So it's interesting that these disciples only really found out who they were and what their potential was as they actually just started following. They had to kind of do that. 
So, so it starts, so discipleship starts with a call, it starts with encountering Jesus, kind of him calling you. But then after we get to know Jesus a little bit, there kind of becomes a more specific call, and we start asking the question, well, what am I kind of supposed to do with this call? Where am I going? What it's about? And I think very often that call is kind of boils down to the question of which team am I going to play on? Um, we know that um, if we read in, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus prayed all night before he asked the disciples to join a particular team called apostles. So this was like kind of a team. He prayed all night making that decision, and he still got Judas. So, um, you know, I was like, wow, <laughs> there's no guarantees in this thing. But, but you know that the 12 disciples were not the only disciples, so there were the 12, and we know that there were 12 because we hear a lot about the 12, and they get sent out to do stuff. But we also know that kind of a chapter later, he sent out 70 disciples. So the 12 disciples were not the only disciples. Those disciples were just the ones that were called to a particular team. And I think a lot of us can get quite cool, kind of caught up on finding my calling, you know, identifying my gifts and my talents, and I want to find a space that works for me where my gifts and my talents can be showcased to their best advantage and kind of figuring all of that, that out. But I kind of want to say to you tonight, actually, rather find your tribe, rather find the people that you work well with, rather find some people that you have got a similar heart and vision with, and hopefully people who are utterly different from you, because then this has the potential of being a team in your life that you can work with, because then all the different skills and strengths come into play. I think there is a danger that we are very often attracted to people who are like us. You know, I even noticed that. You, you kind of look around, you say, wow, that person is awesome. And that's actually code language for, oh, that's like me. <laughs> it's like a mirror. I look at myself. Oh, that's like really, really cool. I can see myself in them. And that's a really dumb brain idea because if you find somebody like you, it's very, it's very likely that they will end up, you will actually end up competing over the same space. You know, because if you like you, you're going to try to do the same thing, and they're going to want to do it their way, and you're going to want to do it your way, and it's going to add up to all sorts of conflict. Um, so don't ever waste your time trying to be like other people or trying to make them like you, because it's actually much better to find people who are different from you, who have the same heart and vision, and actually you're going to make a great team because you're actually going to work together, you're going to have gifts and strengths that complement, and kind of it's like that movement thing, we're going to start going forwards. Um, so... If Jesus started by calling this whole bunch of random people, and then in Luke 6, 12, he called the 12 to something specific. And the fact is that if you have a leadership gift on your life, you will probably find yourself in the exciting but challenging place of calling and forming your own team at some point. You will get to be a team leader and you'll get to call a team together. And you know what? It's the scariest responsibility on earth. It really is when that's actually your call to make. But if that is not where you are right now, if that's not kind of um, the place, it, either because you're not particularly, you don't particularly have a leadership gift or that's just not what God is doing with you right now, then please don't sit around waiting for somebody else to call you onto their team 
Because that would also be a bit of a waste of a life, wouldn't it, really? Just kind of wait for that. Think about where you can add value. Think about, you know, look around for a team that you can actually join. Um, or at least if there isn't a kind of team doing something, maybe there's even just one other person who has actually got a heart for something similar that you could partner with and you could step out. Why? Because you will actually be bolder. You'll take more risks. You'll do more stuff. You'll accomplish more if you actually do it with someone else. So who's ever been out with Daniel? So did, is this not true? That did you, when you went out with Daniel, did you not do more with Daniel than you did, you would have done if you'd gone on your own? Anybody witness? Yes, we all kind of, because, because that's the reality. And, it, and it's not, not just because Daniel is a particularly outgoing person. It's because that's the nature. When somebody else has got a, have got, they've got different gifts and callings, they pull that out of you. And to work with them, to go with them, you will end up being a lot bolder and more encouraged by going and doing something with someone else than just hanging on your own. So... Having been called, having realizing that this call, is, it starts out general, it moves to the specific, we then get commissioned. We get commissioned by God to do something specific. And in, if, we, if we look in Luke chapter 9, we'll see that he called the disciples to do something specific. Um, so in Luke 9 and in Matthew 10, it's kind of pretty much the same story as told. That the 12 disciples now are sent out and they're sent out with very little training, I might add. Because at this point, they've had the Sermon on the Mount, they've had the Lord's Prayer, and they've had a lecture about don't be anxious. You know, you don't need to be anxious because, let's face it, just if you have, want to be anxious about anything, just ask for more of the Holy Spirit and you'll be fine. So that's the training they get. And having been trained, they get a commission to proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. So is that okay for starters? You know, is there anybody here who doesn't know what you're supposed to be doing? You know, just to, just to start with. Like, if you don't know anything else, if you haven't got anything more specific from God, well, that actually would be a really good place to start. And in case you thought that was just for the 12, it's just for the super apostles, the, the really kind of, um, you know, the, the special guys... A chapter later, so from Luke 9 to Luke 10, a chapter later, the 72 get told exactly the same thing. Well, actually, not quite. They get told to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom. But it seemed that they'd obviously heard what had been said the chapter before, so they took it upon themselves to cast out demons anyway. You know, they just thought, oh, okay, you know, the others, you know, okay, we got told to heal the sick, but we can do demons too. And they came back and they were all excited because apparently it actually worked. They were actually quite good at it. So that was amazing. So I know that I'm sounding a little bit flippant here and making it all sound very easy. Um, and perhaps you might feel, oh, gosh, is it really that easy in, in real life? Well, well, yes and no, because you can live a whole life staying in your comfort zone. So that was actually what Richard was talking about this morning. And if you weren't here this morning, that's a really great sermon you can download in the week and listen to that. Because you can live in your comfort zone, but you won't, you'll, you'll, you'll just be balanced. You just live a nice, safe, comfortable life. You won't move anywhere or do anything or change anything. Um, so by doing something, in, by staying in that space, you're not really going to achieve very much. And, and it's true, there is a cost to following Jesus. 
Um, because it, it is about not being willing to stay in the easy, comfortable place. Later on in Luke um, chapter 9, uh, some people, because as I say, there were lots of people. Jesus called so many people, and not all of them responded. Or at least not all of them responded positively. Not all of them made it to actually kind of receive the calling and, and go with it. So in Luke 9, 57, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Ha ha, said Jesus. Okay, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Well, what happened to that guy? To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. He didn't mean literally, he didn't mean that his dad died yesterday and there was a funeral. What he meant, if, if you read the kind of context of, of sort of the, the Jewish, sort of the, the way that that, um, the customs and what he's actually saying there, what he's saying is, let me wait until my father is old and he's passed on and I've kind of got the freedom and everything to do that. So he didn't mean like he died yesterday. He's saying, let my father, you know, wait till my father's kind of gone. And then Jesus said, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then yet another one said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So there is a cost. We cannot deny that there is a cost in being a, a disciple. But if we can't pay it, then we need to ask ourselves if we really are disciples. Have we ever really met Jesus? Do we know who he really is if we're not able to respond to that? Because there is a cost, and that, that cost in itself doesn't always mean that it's always hard and a life of misery. Because quite often in discipleship, the biggest cost is actually an opportunity cost. You know, you can't do everything. We are finite beings. Um, there is a limit to what we can do. So everything we say yes to means that necessarily we've said no to something else. Um, so we kind of, so when we say yes, we, we are really, in a sense, walking away from other things we could have done with our time, other things we could have done with the space, with the opportunity. And, and Chanel's preached really, really well about this last year, just about the, your, the yes that you give to God and just about obedience and the, and the in a sense, the challenge of it, but also the, the amazing joy of partnering with God. And, and I mean, you know, we, you've all, I think most people have heard the incredible um, testimony in, in Chanel's story that, that one day God asked her to do a very, very small thing uh, and that led to Tay getting saved because it was just that that moment, you know, there was a there was a yes to a small thing, and if we the the whole thing is that if we learn to say yes to God in the small things, if we step into small things, then we will be able to hear bigger things. Because God already knows our capacity. He knows who we are. He knows what we like on the inside. So hearing and obeying the call and the commission, in one sense, is not even for him. It's actually for us. 
It's for it to be revealed to us, kind of where we're, where we're in in our hearts. We discover our own heart. We discover our own capacity. And it's a training process. Discipleship is a training process we enter into through that hearing and being obedient. And if we haven't been obedient in the small stuff, how will we ever hear him call us to big stuff? You know, he's not going to call you to the most amazing world, changing, turn the world upside down stuff if we can't even hear a little thing and step out. So that's why discipleship is always a training thing of, of just learning to hear a small thing and stepping out in it. But the encouraging thing, although there's a massive cost, is that there is also a reward. There is an incredible reward. There is the reward of the well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You kind of took the thing that I, the opportunity that I gave you, and you did something amazing with it. And the reward is not God's love. It is not salvation. We have to be clear. It's not, we don't do that. We don't do this stuff for the sake of the reward of God loving us more or for the sake of earning our salvation. But the reward is to enter into the joy of the master. It's sharing the glory. It's seeing the kingdom advance. It's building an, an inheritance. So like not just our inheritance, as Richard spoke this morning, because our inheritance is secure, but it's actually seeing that we can bring other people into an inheritance. We can actually take the kingdom into their lives. We can have greater authority in our, and influence so that we can actually change the, the sphere that we're in. And God, as we do that, that sphere grows and God gives us more and more space and more and more influence, which is really amazing. And I think, to be honest, there is nothing more exciting on the planet than partnering with God. I mean, it really is. You, you just got to get out there and do it and experience it to know. And, and I have a little bit of a personal testimony about this in the last kind of couple of years through the Heaven in Healthcare um, thing initiative that we took because I've personally I've been passionate about healing for many many years. Um, I'm particularly passionate about mental health and that's why I studied for six years to become a psychologist. And I got after that I got further involved in training other people in counselling and that's why oh, sorry we've always had some kind of a healing prayer ministry at Hillside, sort of so even long before Connection Center. And, and we've always developed that thing kind of because, because that's something that, that's always been in my heart. And I've always wanted to find people who also have that thing and want to do that with me. But a couple of years ago, God spoke to me and he kind of just dropped into my heart the little seed thought that maybe we could do more than just looking after the people in Hillside. Well, maybe we could do more than just making sure that hillside people are free and kind of um, doing okay and getting healed and, and everything. Maybe we could touch our whole community. Maybe we could go beyond. So this thought really, really excited me. And I had seen some other people doing stuff like that in other places. And I thought, wow, if we partner with those people... <laughs> Maybe we could do something bigger. Maybe we could do something that actually would impact not just the church, but might impact a sphere of our society or a, or a wider community. So um, we did the really bold thing, and it's about, gosh, it's literally just over a year or so ago of inviting Pete Carter, who's a pastor in the UK. We invited him over. We committed to paying his airfare, which we had no money to pay for whatsoever. Hey, we never have any money. We always kind of like, ah, step out to do these things, never any money for it. 
And then God came through with all the provision, with all the logistics, the people, the publicity, the catering, uh, and everything else. So last June, we had this like amazing gathering of people, um, our first Heaven and Healthcare event. So God's favor was on it. We touched the lives of a whole number of people involved in healthcare. We were able to share some testimonies. testimonies. We inspired some people. So it was like a really, really good thing. So, so that was kind of like a, a once-off event, which is kind of great. But again, a once-off event, I'm, I don't want just, I don't want just to, my calling is, is, is actually to change healthcare. It's not to have a conference about changing healthcare. I want to change healthcare. I want to change this community. I want to change the way people think about healing. I want to change the way Christians think about healing and think about how they relate to the doctors and nurses and, and how they honor them and how they work together. So I mean, I've kind of got a much bigger goal than having a conference. And, and we've had for probably a good couple of years now, we've had this once a month healing event on a Saturday. And that's also been really, really cool because we've had incredible testimonies. We've had people who've instantly been relieved of pain. We've had, we've had some people who've had quite amazing kind of turnarounds with, with quite advanced cancer. We, we've, we've seen some, some awesome testimonies and we've seen people doing that. So, so we've, we've kind of got people on a regular basis who, who um, exercise faith. They're, they're faithfully being faithful to see this, to step out, to take risks, to see this thing. Um, and there's, so there's a small seed. So there's, there's like the, the seed of an event, but there's also a seed that's growing on the kind of like the week by week kind of praying for people in church. And and like John Simmons and I, we often get together and we brainstorm, kind of, yeah, how is this going to go to the next level? So last Friday, through one of the guys in our church, Robert Fraser, who's, who's a doctor, God opened an amazing door of favor for me, which was to have a meeting with the new marketing manager of Hillcrest Hospital, who was totally thrilled to hear about what we were doing in healthcare and what our vision was for healthcare and said, yay, that is great. Yeah, we can, we can partner with you. We'd like to partner with you. Yeah, we'd like to, you know, yes, we'd love to help with your budget again. We would love to, we'd love to give you some money. We'd love to give you some space to come and maybe use our, you know, our training room to come and do some stuff there so that it would have more exposure when, yeah, if you're doing this conference, please send us a program. I'll make sure that all our staff and especially the nursing staff, because there weren't too many nurses last year. I'll make sure our nursing staff all get invited. And I just said to her, kind of like, well, you know, we, 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 we're not kind of coming to kind of sell our thing to you. We'd like to know what are your challenges as a hospital? What, what are you... What are the challenges that you face? Because we think it's really great that we have this kind of very, you know, really good, high, world-class hospital in our community. So we'd like to help you. We'd like to help you do your job better. What do you need? What can we do for you? Can we pray for anything for you? Can we help you anyway? And she was just, like, blown away. So, like, wow, yeah, yeah, and maybe there are some things we can do. So, oh, yeah, and maybe our staff... We don't have a clinic for our staff. They don't have too many people kind of caring for them. Maybe if you've got some counseling people, maybe sometimes if they want to talk to somebody, maybe one of your people could come, you know, they could come and see one of your people at Connection Center or, or do stuff. So that was like really, really amazing because she wanted to partner with us. And, and thinking, yay, that's great. That's taking like something... Of, of a kingdom thing, that, that a seed that we're growing here, but then it's taking that seed out there in, in the community. So that was really... So, that's, so, so for me, the, the point of that testimony is that when you partner with God, when you step out, 
then God so comes through for you. He so meets you in that place. He so comes alongside you. He so pours out favor and resources and open doors for you. Because God is not a hard taskmaster. You know, you remember that in the story of the talents. You know, they're, they're kind of like the, the guy who was afraid, kind of two of, the, two of the guys went out and did something with what they were given, and the other guy just hid it saying, you know, oh, you're a hard taskmaster. And, but, but God, that is not what God is like. God is, God is not a hard taskmaster. God is the best and most supportive boss you will ever have. You know, seriously, if you want to have a boss in your life, make God the boss in your life because actually he is going to look out for you better than any other boss will ever do. He, you, you're never going to have to, if, if you're a disciple, if you pour your energy into the kingdom of God and into the stuff of the, God's project and what he has on his heart, you'll never have to look out for your own interests because he will always take care of you. That's part of the bargain. So, 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 so God will always do that. He'll always come through for us. He'll always be there for us. But, but what's our part of the bargain? And I think it really is to hear him, to hear God, and to pursue the kingdom passionately. So, so what does that look like? You know, I mean, it's all very well, but like it's a bit vague and waffly. What does it look like on the ground? Well, I think practically there are two things involved in this. Um, and the first of them is self-discipline and focus. So at the end of last year, Graham and Daphne came and prayed for our Connection Center team. We had a team meeting on a Monday night and asked them to come and asked them to come and minister to and refresh the guys because, you know, it was like the end of a long year and they'd all kind of been helping people and pouring themselves out. So, so actually, Graham and Daphne came with a great word. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a word of comfort at all. They, the, the word they gave is they said, don't just give up on 2018. I mean, okay, it's like October. There are still two months to go in this year. Why don't you um, write down what you still want to achieve before the end of the year? So, you know, we're all kind of in, let's, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back that we got through 2018. <laughs> there's two months left like when you write down what you want to achieve and exercise faith towards that goal and expect God to work with you to achieve it so so I was like okay this is quite challenging so for me I wrote down a few things but one of the things I wrote down was that okay so maybe there's still two months I am still going to get to my goal weight by the end of the year Um, and I was fortunately already in a health and fitness challenge at my gym so I kind of myself, you know what, maybe this is God, maybe I can do this, this is God's word, I can focus on this. So I hope you've all noticed by now that I did lose 10 kgs at the end of last year, and 5% body fat, um, which has miraculously stayed off despite the Christmas holidays and a week in an all-inclusive hotel. But but, but, I'm not, but I'm, why am I bragging that? Because I'm so, honestly, for me, there was something supernatural in that, in the sense of the way my mind shift, my mindset changed in response to the challenge. What do you want? What do you actually want? Do you want this thing badly enough to focus on it and to actually just go for it as if you're expecting it to happen? And I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to you, you know what, you see, you can actually achieve anything that you really focus on. And it wasn't easy. I have to say, I did the work. I actually did the workouts. I worked hard. I ate super healthily. I kept moving when I felt like lying down. But you see, when you focus on something, it achieves things. 
Um, and that's not just true of natural things. It's also true of spiritual things. So we become the thing that we give ourselves to. You know, so if you want to be, you know, that's actually a scary thought. So if you want to be a couch potato, if that's what you want to look like, and that's what you give yourself to, that is what you will achieve. You will achieve, you know, kind of spiritual blob status, you know, spiritual sort of parking off and doing nothing. And the beauty of discipline is that actually it does become easy. Well, it doesn't, not easy. Maybe it becomes easier so like physical training at a gym, it's really hard and tough when you do it for the first time. But as you keep doing it, as you establish a habit, it just gets easier and easier. So, um, and, and when that habit is there, it's kind of like you can get back into it. So even though I broke all the rules over Christmas, it actually wasn't so bad after Christmas to get back and think, oh, you know what, I'm over chocolate and Prosecco. I mean, maybe I could get back, you know, maybe I'll actually be quite relieved to get back to healthy eating. And... So this is all a preamble to say this is why, this is part of what we're doing when we have this three-day fast in church. We're actually creating a space and an opportunity so that we can all learn to focus. We're going to learn, we're going to do a little bit of focusing together this week. And, and like my gym challenge, it was easier to do it with other people because they were all kind of, you know, it, it's way easier to achieve this when you do it with others. So we are going to use this fast as an opportunity, firstly, to break some bad habits, you know, like um, your addiction to various social media and all stuff like that. And we're also going to establish some good ones. So kind of ask yourself, what are, what are some important habits that I want to cultivate in this season? And, and, and they could be things like seeking God's face. I want to really learn how to seek God's face. I want to learn about God. I want to kind of just put a little bit more time in, you know, I think Daniel gave us some really practical, helpful tips on fasting this morning. He said, like, don't just stop stuff. Kind of think what you're going to put into yourself in these three days. You know, you can have all that extra time because you're not eating, um, and you're going to have a really great focusing thing, which is the empty feeling in your stomach, which is going to remind you all the time that you're doing something intentionally. So that feeling is going to remind you. So use, so the whole point is not to sort of lie there thinking, oh gosh, I feel so awful. It's to remind yourself, oh my word, I'm focusing on something. What, what do I want to achieve with this time? What do I want to do? I want to get to know God better. I want to spend a little bit more time reading the Bible. I want to learn to talk to God continually. I want to be aware of the Holy Spirit. I want to take risks. I want to step out and take some risks with God. I want to kind of learn what it is to like refer to God in my daily life. I want to, I want to defer to him when I'm not sure what I should be doing. And the thing is, um, and as I say, we, we've said, you know, that the way we do the fasting is it's not, in a sense, the most important thing as the fact that you do it. You know, how you do it is less important the fact that you do it. Do it in whatever way you feel you've got faith for. I say, we, we're going we're gonna to go for water, which will be challenging. Please, you have to do water. Don't anybody try doing it without water or anything, because that would be really bad for you. But, but like water is great if you want to be hardcore and go for that. But if it's just skipping one or two meals or skipping to liquids or 
cutting out, um, you know, cut out TV, cut out social media. Do, do make sure that it's a meaningful thing, that it's that it's sufficiently challenging that it will focus you on what this whole thing is about. And the focus is about seeking God. The focus is about getting close to him. Because honestly, when I focus on God and his kingdom, it's good for me. Truly, you know, I mean, like the, like, like the, 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 the diet plan was good for me because I do, actually do feel much healthier and I feel better about it. The, 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 the fasting, although it is a challenge, it will be a challenge, it, it, it is good for us. It's good for us because it puts us in that place of actually focusing on God and on, on God's kingdom, and which is the very best thing I can invest my life on anyway. I mean, there's nothing better than I can invest in. Okay, so that's the first thing. So self-discipline and focus is, is kind of like a really, is a really good thing that, that comes out of it in the discipleship process that is um, part of what, why we're fasting. The second thing is that we need to find our tribe and our team, which is our place where we're going to work out our salvation, where we're going to grow the kingdom in the sphere that we can affect, that we're going to change the world that we are part of. So in a way, these three days are also a chance to be a part of Team Hillside. You know, it really, you really, and, and, and for those, and, and bless the visitors, and we love to have you, and it's really great, but I'm speaking to the Hillside guys now. If we're part of this church, then we need to have an investment in this tribe, in what we're doing and what we can achieve together. So by praying and fasting together, by hearing God together, by shifting the atmosphere over our city and nation together, that is, that is buying into this tribe. That is saying, that's kind of sticking a flag in the ground and saying, yeah, this is my tribe. I am going to do this stuff with this tribe. And, um, and, and we can and say, and, and, and not just for ourselves, not just so that Hillside can become more amazing, but so that we can change something. So like tonight, we prayed for Zimbabwe, which was awesome. And yeah, we have... You know, some of us have a personal stake in Zimbabwe. Some of us don't have very much, con you know, sort of very real um, connection to that. But we can own it, and we can we can we can storm the heavens to bring the kingdom of God down for for Zimbabwe, and and that's really really important. So in this space, in this space of the three day fasting, we are not only um, we are not only exercising discipline. We are not only just buying into kind of what God is doing with us in a community, with us as a community. In that space, I think we are also trusting that God will speak to people on an individual basis about specific plans and purpose. That, that the reality is, when you focus on this and when you set your heart and mind to do this, He will bless you. He will He will unlock things for you personally. He will whisper things in your ear about your own life, about what you need to be doing. He will whisper into you the connections that you need to make. He'll, he'll speak to you about what other teams you need to be part of and whether that is kind of kids men or Saturday morning embo or worship or the healing event or connection center or hospitality or outreach on the streets or ministry to poor people in Uganda or rescuing people. You know, I mean, and whether it's like things that are here that are, as I say, that the sphere of our world can be quite small or it can actually be like amazing stuff out there. And, and, and we need to put ourselves in that space where we can hear God speak to us about those things. So what world are you going to change? Which people are you going to impact? 
Are you going to impact kids or sick people or lost people or hopeless people or business people or artists or politicians? And I think the really great thing about God is that God himself cuts across our categories of what is possible. You know, what would we think? Because, you know, in, in a sense, we can sometimes think, yeah, what, yeah, what do I do? What do I think? Yeah, oh, yeah, I could do kids, men, or I could be on the day to you, you know, that, that's the amazing thing. When we focus on God, when we really turn our hearts towards him and we gaze at his face and we put ourselves in that position of loving him and worshiping, then actually he kind of comes totally left field and he speaks to us about something completely other. He opens up a door that we were never expecting. He, he cuts across all our categories. He invites us to connect with, with, with people at, or impact people in the spaces that we thought were actually impossible. And he says, no, you know what? I'd really like you to do this. You're like, what? Really, God? And he puts those things in our lives, which is so exciting. So... My question to is, is where are the disciples here tonight? Who, who's a disciple? You may respond. <laughs> so would you like, if, 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 you, if, that's, if you are in for this, if you are into buy into this, that I want to be a disciple and I want to connect with God, I want to I wanna step more into this because I want to do something more. I do not want to live a boring, balanced life. I want to lead and live an out-of-balance life where I'm actually learning to, to step out and be imbalanced. So I want to I walk, and when I've learned to walk, I want to run, I want to fly, because, because actually I want, I want so much more of life than this. Okay, so if that's you, would you like to stand? Because I would love to pray for us, because it's going to be a big week. Sure. Oh, Jesus, I want to thank you that you, <laughs> you said that you did not come to bring peace on earth, but you came to give us a sword in our hands. You actually came to stir things up. You, you came to give us life, an abundant life. An abundant life is messy and exciting and challenging and rewarding and costly because, because life is the most precious thing that we can possibly have. So, Lord, I want to pray for myself and for my brothers and sisters here tonight that this week really would be a week where we understand the call to discipleship in a way that we just haven't got it in the last while, that you would just reveal the secrets you'd reveal, you'll reveal us to ourselves, but you'd also reveal the secrets of your heart. You would, you would speak words, you'd speak whispers into people's hearts and minds where they'll just really get a grasp of things that they thought were impossible, but you believe are possible for them, that you have challenges for us, you have things for us to partner in, you have just worlds for us to change, things to open up. So, Father God, we are just trusting you for a really, really good week. We are a little bit apprehensive because we're not quite sure how we're going to cope with the lack of food. But, Lord, we know that it is going to be a good week because it's going to be a week where we just engage with you in a really, really powerful way. So thank you. Thank you that we have the Holy Spirit with us who is going to help us like Jesus did really, really well in his fasting just because he had the Holy Spirit. And now, Holy Spirit, you are with us too this week and you're going to help us. So we just trust you that it's going to be an awesome week. And we just thank you for who you are and just the incredible privilege of partnering with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. 
We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.